I have tapes and they are hot, all quite ting ting, it's the start of the pod. My team's good and yours is not quite down ting ting, it's the start of to you in a pre-recorded fashion from the league office in Upper Arlington, Ohio. I am CJ, and this is Don't Fear the Keeper. Joining me- oh, oh, all right, he's here. He's here, folks. Joining me today from the city that runs a draw on 4th and 9, the Capicola King himself, Chuck Kesa. How we doing, Chuck? Um, We could be better, but we're doing okay. Big win last week against my son and rival, Brian. And uh, things are looking positive going forward for for the city of Cleveland and myself. This is very true. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we're all very excited. Uh, You know, as you will come to find out here, folks, Brian is going to be our feature owner of the week this week. And really, besides that, we're going to have a very great pod for you guys today. A lot of segments, new and old, uh, you know, Charlie's bottom bitch Brian's going to be here. He's going to run through a little bit of that with us. But before we get to all that fun stuff, let's recap the action from this past week's matchups.
Rivalry Week. First, we take you to the Downstairs Mix-Up Showdown, presented by Bailey's Irish Cream. I'll tell you this, Ben took some of Mike's Irish Cream Beige this week, as this was an absolute blowout. Ben began the week by controversially benching his first-round pick, Richard Mixon, and seeing replacements Chris Johnny Carson, Matt Horace Breda, and David Monte Python combine for only 26. Mike made sure to take advantage of Ben's ineptitude, using 20 from Brandon with an eye cooks, 22 from Return of the Dak Prescott, and 25 from Third Leg Greg, and he blew this one wide open. Sadly, 13 apiece from DJ Less and B. Ron Rogers, as well as 4.5 from Mark. Brian thinks you should definitely pick this guy up. Andrews could not save this one for Ben. Mike wins a shoe full of Baileys and the right to go to a club where people wean on each other. Final score, Mike 154.2, Ben 75.7. It's good to be back, Terry. We move next to a clash of longtime rivals as the Beasterling and the artist formerly known as the Kamish hit the mattress once again in the battle of the bedroom. First, in the frozen tundra of Minneapolis, Minnesota, the Beasterling struck quickly as Dalvin Gordon Ramsey pillaged the Raiders for 24 and Adam, I'm feeling your love tonight at a 20th his own. Charlie swung back as Darren Schapa, one of the most hottest hidden safeties in the league, Waller, overcame the Arctic blitz of the Vikings for 27 big points. But Charlie wasn't quite done, as 27 apiece from Don Julio Jones and Amari Alice Cooper, and 22 from Matt Ryan Tannehill, put the former commission way ahead. Brian attempted to stay afloat, as 41 from Russell Crowe Wilson and 16 from Elijah Elliott made the game close. But poor showings from TJ might as well hockey-loogie on him, son, and Hollywood Land Brown wouldn't be enough, as the Patriots defense grounded the Jets faster than Bush on 9-11. Charlie continues, to do- continues his domination of Brian. Chuck, 150.5. Brian, 125.8. It's good to have you back, Berman. Next, we move on to the Long Distance Bowl, presented by Jurgens, as Colin and his broken ankle face CJ and his broken heart. It was a battle of plot armor versus not armor in this one, as CJ jumped out to an early lead behind 15 from Leonard Fornetti and 19 from Juju smith Ill. But Colin fought back, seeing 15 from Aaron Jones-Drew, 12 from George T. Kittle, and 28 from the guy that State Farm uses to make Aaron Rodgers jealous. Late in this one, CJ needed to have a stronger performance than Brian's stomach in Colorado and seemed to get it, with 23 from Evanescence Ingram and 28 from Mormon McCaffrey. Alas, it was not enough to overcome a huge day from Tyler Pop Lockett Drop It, scoring 32 against New Orleans. Collins' team wins as his ligaments lose, and he takes home the golden box of tissues. Final score, CJ 127.9, Colin 147.1. In a battle of Western Division foes, Zach and Paul met in a fight for the division lead. Zach started off hotter than he gets when someone looks at him funny after a couple of IPAs, grabbing 33 from 
Cooper Red Solo Cup. I fill you up. Let's have a party. Let's have a party. And 44 from Keenan Ray Allen. Tossing 22 from Carson. This little piggy went to the market. And Zach was in business. But unfortunately for the Tasmanian Devil, he got caught on the tracks as Paul's train was coming through. And Paul's locomotive was firing on all cylinders as he grabbed 22 from Samuel Lamar Jackson, 37 from Alvin Chevy Camara, and 45 from Mikey Mike and the Funky Bunch Evans. With 10 from Le'Veon Saved by the Bell, 4 from Josh Brandon Jacobs, and 16 from Travis Scott Kilson. Zach stood no chance as Philip Lindsay Lohan grabbed 29 on the frozen tundra of Green Bay, Wisconsin to punch the nail on the coffin and send Zach home madder than a hippopotamus during mating season. Paul 187.4, Zach 156.7. And finally, we take you to the league's newest and fiercest rivalry as Gara and Alex faced off in the JD Power Bowl presented by the U.S. Department of the Treasury. This one was a real drag race as Alex opened things up with 20 from Tom and Jerry Brady, 24 from Austin Bowler, and a whopping 35 from Mark still not as good as Kamara Ingram. But Gary would not hit the brakes using 11 apiece from Doric Henry and Podale Beckham Jr. 17 from John Smith and 18 from Chris Bosch Allen. Late in this one, Gurren needed a scurry day from Turi, but 19 points just wasn't enough to recall Alex's lead. Alex wins this one and takes home the bailout. Final, Gurren 114.7, Alex 132.7. And that is your action from week three. Good to have it back, Charlie. It really is. Hey, it was a pretty, uh, it was not a whole runaway vote, but the vote was pretty clear. So I'm glad to, glad I, to give the people what they want. I am deeply shocked that Shannon Sharp did not win. I really am. It would have been a lot of skips if I was going to be Shannon Sharp. <laughs> I think it would have been fun. You know, maybe later in the season. Yeah, maybe, the maybe season is still very young. Very young. We're still in the infancy. We very much are. Okay, well, now we are going to take you guys off to our segments and an interview with the featured over the week, Brian. Uh, so here we go. So now I would like to welcome our featured owner of the week, Brian Easterling. Brian, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, John. How are you? I am a little tipsy, but whatever. Um, so take much. No, really does not. We're at like two beers in. So, Brian, uh, we're really excited to have you here. Obviously, you're coming off uh, just a heartbreaking loss to Charlie in your rivalry matchup. I mean, how's that feel? This does not count as a question, by the way, Charlie. Gotcha. not gonna lie it doesn't feel good especially because i had more to do with this loss than a normal fantasy (laughs) loss there's a lot of self-sabotage here mainly trading the highest scoring player of the week other than russell wilson to charlie in exchange for the lowest scoring player of the matchup (laughs) at the tight end position but um you know you gotta just put this behind you and move on to 
week four. We're going into week four, right? Week- yeah, we're going into week four. We just recently did the week four uh, or the week three review, right, Chuck? That is correct. That's how we record these in exact chronological order. Bingo. Uh, okay, well, let's just dive right in. So we're going to each ask Brian one question apiece. Uh, Chuck, I'm going to let you get last licks again because obviously you have a much more vested interest in this Will than I do. Will one of them be about the panic button? Absolutely. It's going to be about the panic button. I don't know which one Charlie has about the panic button, but it's there. Uh, okay, I'm just going to dive in. Chuck, that sound good to you? That sounds outstanding. Wow, you are just as pleasant as could fucking be today. Okay, so, Brian, uh, off the top of the head, I haven't prepared these at all. Uh, do you feel bad that you told Ben to pick up Mark Andrews? And, as a follow-up, is his loss this week your fault? No, I... <laughs> that wasn't that funny of a question, Brian. I don't know. I thought it was hey, a funny question. <laughs> um... I do not feel bad for uh, telling Ben to pick up Mark Andrews, and here's why. He was the highest-scoring tight end out of the first two weeks of the season. Uh, the Ravens appear to have a good offense, and apparently the Chiefs are, have a good secondary now. Is that a is that a thing? They still dropped a couple points on the Chiefs. Yeah, but those are like kind of towards the end. Most of, For most of the game, the Raving, Ravens' passing attack was shut down. So we didn't really expect Mark Andrews to have a bad week, mm-hmm. but uh, he did. As for the second part of your question... The important part, to Ben, at least. I think that's really overestimating the amount I can do to help or hurt Ben's team. It is kind of set where it is. Yeah, honestly, there's only so much that any of us can do to get Ben over 100 points. We were... Uh, I, I, I you Listen, you listen later, but I actually ran the stats on Ben's team. Um, that is coming down the pipeline yeah, That's here. coming down the pipeline, so get ready for that. Are you going to make sure to put this part before or after that comes? Well, well, it, considering we, considering we haven't recorded the second part yet, I would say so. But um, <laughs> We do this live, folks. Um, we had uh, talked about, for my future donor of the week, doing a segment called Fix You, where we would try and fix Ben's team and like give him honest, good faith advice for what to do. And Charlie decided that we couldn't fix his team so that it'd be stupid to do. To be fair, none of us could fix his team. That's a correct statement. So for the record, just so we're all aware, all we could have said to quote-unquote fix Ben's team, that was in air quotes, was pick up X player on the waiver wire, which, by the way, would have already happened by the time Ben listens to the podcast. And then we would have said, hey, start these guys in your lineup. So we really couldn't have done anything to help. All right. And the other thing we could have done was told him to trade Tyree Kill for someone that <laughs> Not Nelson Aguilar. A little better than Nelson Aguilar. Um, Too late on that one, though. Yeah. So Ben kind of tanked that segment himself. He did. All right, Chuck. Uh, hit him. So, Brian, uh, my first question for you is, can you explain exactly what you were going for by copying the name Sausage Factory this week for a matchup? Like, were you just trying to prove uh, yourself to be a worse cheap knockoff of me and my team? Or what exactly was your plan? Um, not going to lie. I was maybe thinking about a team name for the week for about 20 seconds. I'm like, maybe if I just put the exact same name as Charlie 
it'll get a little bit of rise out of him because he's had that team since the inception of conception conception not inception of the league conception yeah <laughs> so maybe Charlie maybe i was trying to maybe league. i was trying to step on stepping on your turf a little bit would make you mad but he just ignored it so he won that exchange I'll yeah so you just proved yourself to be not creative and kind of stupid i wouldn't say not creative i'd say lazy yeah lazy is probably my most dominant attribute as a person <laughs> Let us not forget how much Brian enjoyed unemployment. Hey, hey, you you said it, not me. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, you can say it too. Yeah. Oh, we can all say it because we're not lazy. All right. So, uh, all right. I'm going to do my last question here. So, Brian, uh, I'm going to stick with my Ben theme. So, if you traded with Ben right now, any player, whoever, uh, would the player that you gave up improve dramatically or get injured because i feel like there's a big unstoppable force versus an immovable object thing going on here with the fact that every player you give away just dramatically improves and every player that ben receives just dies upon arriving on his roster so who's winning out there that's tough to say um i didn't realize that i had so much connection to ben and that this wasn't ben's feature of the owner of the weekend i miss him yeah, I miss him too. All right. Anyway, I'm assuming Charlie would miss him if he could talk right now. Kenny, I can talk. Okay. <laughs> Good signs. Um. Well, I think that it would Ben's like little magic or whatever is going on. Dark curse magic. Is what curse, you're for. curse is the word I'm looking for. Uh, would win because I did trade away Sony Michelle and he fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he scored what, what? Charlie, how many points did he score? I think he had like seven or something. Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> he got a. I think he had seven yards on like nine attempts and a touchdown. So he's did probably Fournette until his sixty-nine yard run. Yeah, he's probably the worst starting running back in the league right now until proven otherwise. And Bill Belichick's not going to put up with that and just cut him. So Charlie's soon to be out of an RB two too. Mm, okay. All right, Chuck. Do you agree with that statement? I think I'll be okay. <laughs> I meant more the fact that. Ben's magic would win out over Brian's. Oh no, Brian stinks at everything. So <laughs> the player, the players would be better on Ben's team than they would be. Uh, on you are so consistent and predictable, Charlie. All right, Chuck, finish her off. All right, Brian. My final question is kind of a simple one, but just real quick: Have you put any thought yet into what you're going to get me as a gift for Father's Day next year? <laughs> I'm not going to lie; I have not. But you are going to give me a gift, right? And then kind of the fact that I am basically your father. I I wasn't planning on it. I don't think I got my dad anything for Father's Day <laughs> last year. Wow, a little disrespect to both Phil and Chuck. There. Yeah, so, so hold on. So not only is Brian not going to give me a gift, but he's also just a shitty son in general. So <laughs> To both of his fathers. Yeah, uh, to both of his fathers. I don't know. Maybe I, I might have gotten him a like we might have gotten him a grill or something. It's usually something <laughs> like that. I got some beer. Molly just des- like decides that hey, we're getting dad this, and then I Venmo her, and that's usually how it goes. So Molly, prodigal daughter. Yeah, I mean she's been kissing their ass since <laughs> she could. She was like two. She's always been the favorite. I mean, Bobby's a doctor though. I, Brian, I wear a size twelve shoe <laughs> and a large shirt. 34, 34 pants. So, well, 
What about the tie? You have any preference on tie? No, no preference on tie. I'll wear whatever. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. How do you feel about like cartoon print ties? I feel like that's the classic, like Looney Tunes tie. Mm-hmm. All, all for them. All for them. Okay. Wow, yeah. that's shocking. Uh, well, actually, it's not shocking. It's, not it's really shock. not. <laughs> it's pretty par for the course. Um. Okay. Well, Brian, thank you for answering. Uh. All these really well thought out questions that Chuck and I clearly spent hours coming up with. Uh, well, now Brian's going to stick around and we're going to dive straight into our next segment, which is plant your flag. Nope. Sorry. Kevin Bacon wasn't in Footloose. What? Of course he was. No, he wasn't. You lose. Of course he was. He was the star. Uh, nope. He... You're wrong. Look it up. I don't have to look it up. It's common knowledge. Nope. He was on the nope. cover of No People magazine nope. when the movie. Nope. Everyone nope. knows Kevin nope. Bacon was a star nope. footloose. No, nope. it was nope. a huge movie. Nope. He was the nope. lead. No, 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 no. Okay, so uh, as I'm sure everyone knows by this point, plant your flag. We're each going to pick a take. Uh, we're going to decide which hill we are prepared to die on. We're going to plant our flag on that hill. So. Uh, as per the usual, I think, uh, Brian, you can lead us off. And then uh, I think I'll go next. And then, Chuck, you can back clean up if you'd Actually, like. Actually, I would like John to go first because mine is directed at John. And I'd like to hear his take first before. Okay, fine. Mine's directed at both of you. So, Chuck, you prepared? Oh, I'm prepared. Okay, good. All right. Well, then I'll lead off. And then, you know, we'll reverse it. Fuck it. We'll go me, then you, Chuck, then Brian. Okay, whatever. Sounds sounds good. All right, <clears throat> so my hill that I am prepared to die on is that being a Mets fan is so much harder than being a Browns fan. So, just to go through just the bare-bones numbers here. So the Mets payroll for this past year, $158 million, league average $36 million. Marginally above it. I believe that puts them in the top 10. Whatever. Uh, the Browns payroll... Is 212 million against a league average of 184 million, so about you know rationally about the same spending relative to league average. The Browns, uh, in their history, 70 years of existence, not counting that you know little gap where there was no Browns team. Uh, four championships, um, all of them back in the first iteration of the Browns. 24 playoff berths. The Mets, 57 years, so less, but still pretty comparable number. Two championships, nine playoff berths. Now, I think the big thing here is that, yeah, the Browns have been pretty bad recently. However, Mets fans have to deal with Yankees fans. And you know what Yankees fans are? They're fucking awful. Yankees fans are the worst goddamn people on the planet Earth. And we have to compare ourselves to the whole 27 World Series bullshit thing that they have going on. Who are you guys comparing yourselves to? The Bengals? Because the Bengals also suck. So that's like, you know, I mean, that's, you know, you're not comparing yourself to anybody it's good. probably the Steelers. I mean, we're closer to them. We more yeah, over it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's close. Sorry, it's not the battle you for gotta Pennsylvania, Ohio. You got to take that Ohio. point away. Battle for, yeah, you're right. It's the battle for the Pennsylvania-Ohio border. It's the battle for Ohio, Brian. Okay. At least you guys have, or sorry, there are Yankees fans everywhere. Which offers no chance of refuge. Wherever you go, they're going to be fucking people wearing Yankees hats because they suck. At least you guys have the Indians. Most Mets fans, not myself. However, most of them are Jets fans, which is a, just a miserable lifestyle as well. Uh, the Mets recently, in 2007, blew a seven-game lead in 17 games to end the season, missing the playoffs. Uh, they lost their final game. 
And then the following season, they blew a much smaller but still pretty sad three-and-a-half game lead in the same span, also missing the playoffs. Carlos Beltran in 2006 struck out looking in Game 7 of the NLCS. Uh, just, you know, kind of mailed that whole fucking thing in. Uh, oh, also going back. The Browns aren't good enough to ever have a lead to begin with, so you miss all that pain, which is kind of, I, I mean, it's a blessing, if you ask me. So in conclusion, stop whining. We get it. You drafted poorly for a couple of years. You've been bad for a while, but you have no idea what true pain as a fan is. Your thoughts. All right. I have a couple. I have a couple. I have a couple. Hey, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. First off, I'll, I'll let you go after this small point. Are we going to argue that John's life sucks worse than ours? That's not the argument. Well, I mean, it, it does. It, a little bit. it does, but. It does. No, it does. Oh, okay. oh boy, it okay. does. Okay. Anyway, back to the Browns. Go ahead. I have a couple follow-up questions for you, John. Um, yeah. You know, so one of the things, one of the, the moments you cited there, we're in, you know, late stages of the playoffs. Um, so you're saying the Mets have made the playoffs later than the year 2002? Uh, one time, two times, yes. You're saying that the Mets' last appearance in a championship game was after 1964? I am. I am indeed. Um, you know, your big point was that you have to deal with the Yankees. The Mets are not. They showed up a hundred years after the Yankees were even started. Like I don't like that's like comparing apples to oranges. Do you think that that stops Yankees fans? No, but you didn't have to fucking pick the Mets. You could just uh, bid a Yankees fan when all the teams from New York Do left. You think I picked this shit, Charlie? Well, you blame your parents then. I do. That doesn't matter. That's not the argument here. John, the Browns have historically found historic ways to lose. The Browns' losses are literally in record books as things that have never happened before. Ever. And they've literally made the Hall of Fame careers of several great players. So don't talk to me about being a tortured fan when for the last However many years, your team's not even close in the conversation. Okay, so. There's a little Stephen A. Smith on that one. I mean, it's just. Now, now, now the Cleveland Browns are a friend. I would. I mean, John, you guys were in the World Series, what, three, four years ago? Four years ago. You, you have something to cheer for. This is our first year in that I can remember where there might have been legitimate reasons to be hopeful. And they're not even that good. <laughs> they suck. We can't for the life of us find a, like we have all the talent in the world right now, but we fire hire the most incompetent coach in the history of the fucking league. You did. John, I don't, John, the problem is, is that you are go- taking, you're trying to argue sports pain with somebody from Cleveland or people from the Cleveland area. Cause like Brian will say it many times. Uh-huh. He's not from Cleveland. God, when? Hold on. John, it literally took maybe the greatest player to ever play a sport to be born in Northeast Ohio for Cleveland fans to stop from killing themselves. So don't talk to me about suffering and being a Browns fan and being wow, 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 you're the Mets. It's not even a conversation. Oh, it's a conversation. No, and you know what the difference is? You know what the difference is? It's that there are no expectations for you guys. That is the legitimate difference. The fact that you guys have been bad for so long and for the past really decade and a half, you have been terrible, 
means that you go into every season with no expect. You expect to be just kicked to the ground. Now, John, for, uh, that's where you're wrong. For really only the last really three years or so, not counting this year, the Cleveland fans expect to actually be bad. Going into every bronze year, fans would talk themselves into eight and eight like it was a realistic possibility. So everyone does. No, not not like this. Reality. I believe there's a picture on Charlie's Facebook out there of Eric Mangini saying the next great football genius or something like that. <laughs> like that's that's what it's like, the, John. The man genius. Yes. You guys have no clue. All right, Chuck. Whatever. You're never going to agree with me on this, and I didn't expect you to. No, right. you know what? I have an even better one. So my, Go ahead. My plant in your flag is that Eli Manning should be nothing more than a possible Veterans Committee pick for the Hall of Fame. Told you that this was what he was going to pick. Hold I'd like to read off some Eli Manning stats for you, John. Please. So from 2005 to 2018, when he was the regular starter for the entire year for the New York Giants, that's, four, yeah. that's 14 seasons. These, it is. these are his stats. He was top 10 in interceptions in 11 of those years and finished 11th in one of the years. Only twice did he finish in the top five in touchdowns and yards. Only once did he finish in the top five in completions. And only once did he finish inside the top 10 in quarterback rating, which means exactly one time he finished top 10 in touchdowns, yards, completions, and quarterback rating in the same season. That year, he also finished fifth in interceptions, just to, just to throw it off there, and finished his career with zero league MVPs. For his, did he ever, for his, did he ever make a Pro Bowl? For his career, during which he was also exactly 500 uh, as a starter for his record, he was a remarkably average quarterback. The Hall of Fame is a group of people who you can't write the story of professional football without mentioning their names because they were some of the greatest who ever played their positions. And Eli Manning's name only gets mentioned in the football annals because he happened to be the quarterback who overthrew David Tyree as the Giants' defense stopped the Patriots from having an undefeated season. It's the Hall of Fame, John, not the Hall of Pretty Good. So, Chuck, just sort of out of curiosity here, um, do you remember what the scores of those two games were when uh, they beat the Patriots? Was it 7 nothing? Was it 7-3? Was it 10-3? No, they scored 17 fucking points. Oh. It, oh. Against the Patriots. Holy shit. Remember how many the goddamn Rams scored? Because it wasn't that many. Jared Goff isn't a fucking. Oh, it's been. You should say the two thousand ways a fucking offensive genius couldn't break down. You're saying so. So the two thousand seven and eleven Patriots, are were the exact same rosters the twenty eighteen Patriots? No, same coaching effectively. A very same game very, plan. Very different coaching. I'm not the same game plan either. Yeah. Similar. No. 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 Entirely different personnel. Very different coaching besides Bill Belichick. Different personnel, similar coaching, especially given the fact that, I mean, half of the Belichick disciples that have gone on to become head coaches have not succeeded and have come right back. What does that have to do with anything? I have a a question for John. Uh Do you think that Joe Flacco is a Hall of Famer? Brian, we went over this, and your logic is wrong. Is Joe Flacco put up a much better postseason what the year that they won the Super Bowl than Eli Manning it did in his both combined. No. 
Not even close. And also, your point that apparently Joe Flacco being as good as Eli Manning for one season better was for five seasons at least makes him the same level of quarterback is just incorrect. But if you're five seasons, one- John, he was only at the top of a thing once in a category ever. And Joe Flacco had one good season. Eli Manning was a top five quarterback a lot. Again, again, statistically, statistically, for one year, Eli Manning was a top five quarterback. You listed all of the years that he was number one. What were all no, the years? That no, he no, was no, top no, 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 no. Top, top five. That was a top five. One year, he was top five in major quarterback in each of the major quarterback categories. He finished in the top ten or top five one time total in his career. Top ten, it's more than that. No, it is. Not. I, John, I looked it up. All right. He has a career 500 win record. Yeah, John, his war is legit zero. That's because, okay, lots of different, we're not playing baseball. That's because the last five years of the Giants have just been fucking nuking their roster. And um, wouldn't a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback get some wins to make up for the nuking of the roster? Yeah, he did. That's it. Those are, those are Browns teams without Eli Manning. John, all I'm saying is the stats, blind resume, Eli Manning would not be a Hall of Famer. If you include postseason and the fact that he was able to do what he did against some of the best competition ever. Again, he didn't didn't play that well. He had the greatest defense maybe ever assembled. Twice? Oh, yeah, pretty much. All right, yeah, that's convenient. No, not even close. He played two extraordinarily good postseasons. He played very well in the regular season. Again, not, no, again, John, no, he didn't. Fourth quarter, he was a consistent, just magician. Yeah, you know what? Do, do you know why they were always down in the fourth quarter? Because he stunk during the games. They were down in the fourth quarter because apart from those two seasons, the Giants' defenses were not terrific. John, all I'm saying is that the stats, he was not like an elite quarterback at all during the regular season. One year, he was elite. That's really it, the way the, way the stats back him up. One year is elite. It, I, I'd love to see the stats on quarterbacks, any player really, that won two Super Bowl MVPs and managed to not make the Hall of Fame. Because I'm pretty sure that winning, winning the Super Bowl MVP is like, you can't use that as a thing. He's the quarterback. He's going to get it by default unless somebody else makes an incredible play or does something ridiculous. I mean, tell that to any of the Giants defensive players that sacked Brady several times. I mean, yeah, they probably could have gotten they the MVP. Gave it to Ray Lewis like the Ravens year. Yeah, they did because he was the best player on the team. And then Joe Flacco, who was a quarterback, got it the one year. Yeah, because Joe Flacco had one good year. Yeah, I'm just saying that you can't use Super Bowl MVPs as the argument. I mean, the the fact of the matter is. God, Desmond Howard is a Super Bowl MVP. Is he in the Hall of Fame? He had one. What? He had one. Okay. <laughs> That's so. Me. If David Tyree doesn't make a catch against his helmet, we wouldn't be having this conversation. No, because he let People forget Eli Manning put the ball in the worst possible spot. Horribly overthrew him. I watched it today because I knew this conversation was coming. I'm sure you did. If Eli Manning doesn't get out of the grasp there, no one makes that catch. All I'm saying is that under today's NFL rules, Eli Manning's down. 
Under those decades so NFL there... rules, he would have been down, yeah. but he wasn't because he managed to wriggle out of it just before the refs blew the whistle. Also, different conversation that there's holding on that play that didn't get called. And John, we'll talk about that. John, 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 your entire argument that Eli Manning belongs to the Hall of Fame basically boils down to two plays he made his entire career. I mean, I, I don't think... That's an oversimplification, and you know it. Uh, I don't think so. The stats do not yes, back him up the do. other way. The stats don't back him up the other way. I think I don't think that you can say that Eli Manning made two plays and they won two Super Bowls. Ah, uh, the stats back him up. The stats back you up in the regular season. They do not in the postseason. Like, again, he was was a remarkably average quarterback that happened to have two very good postseasons. So that is it. That does not seem like a Hall of Fame career to me. Imagine if Trent Dilfer won a second Super Bowl. Yeah. Imagine if Trent Dilfer got the Super Bowl MVP for the first one he won. John, the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, that's not. You're not going to agree. Shit. All those those 17 points they get Giants threw over the Super Bowl, man. That was because Eli Manning was just lighting up the Patriots defense. Kinda. Yeah. All right, whatever. You know what? You're never going to sell me on this one. Just go, Brian. <laughs> Um, all right. This is a little bit of a change of pace. We're moving away from sports a little bit. Oh, Actually, boy. completely. This has nothing to do with sports. Oh, oh, good. Game of Thrones Season 8 was better than Endgame. Wow. Here's why. Game of Thrones plot points were fine. We've talked about this at length. I'm not going to go too much into it. Boils down to the fact that they cut it down from 20 to 13 episodes. Um, if they had more time to flesh everything out, I think it would have been a great last two seasons. All right, to Endgame. Title of this is Why Endgame Sucked. First of all, Captain America's ending was a shoe-in at the end that was not built up to in any way. Bruce Banner's second Bruce Banner saying that the time stone or the timelines won't get messed up is literally the only thing that stops the timelines from getting messed up. Doesn't make sense. Like <laughs> uh I mean like Gamora I, I I don't have a good rant voice, I'm sorry, I'm not as good at this as you guys. <laughs> Clearly. Um they take Gomorrah out of a different timeline and put her into a certain one, but saying that doesn't fuck up the other timeline doesn't make sense. Because, like, does that mean that the Guardians of the Galaxy never gets founded? Like, I don't know what's happening there. Um, the most egregious error with Endgame is they spend the whole first half talking about how limited Pym particles are, and then Nebula just somehow opens up a portal to 2014 after using her last set of Pym particles to get back to the present but like thanos doesn't fly his ship through the quantum well realm like or shrink down or anything there's just literally a hole that they didn't explain um also the final battle was predictable and really had no payoff in my opinion you, you knew as soon as thanos snapped his fingers in infinity war that it was going to end something like that um and the last point is I think the Avengers are kind of too OP now for there to ever be a major threat again because they can time travel and fix whatever 
whatever villain like kill him and as a baby like i don't i think it was i think it was worse than game of thrones I think we, me and John win this argument to the fact that Brian basically turtled without us doing anything while he was reading off. Is <laughs> no, I Brian, said that. Brian basically self-turtled without us doing anything. I, I would not make a good Stephen A. Smith. I admit, I'll be the first to to admit. Like John and I just sat here quietly listening, and Brian's like, "I I don't know. I'm sorry. I no, I'm, just, exactly I'm, just, I'm just trying to. I'm just John, trying to talk." John was making weird faces, and um. I was expecting interjections in the middle of it. I was waiting for him to. We talk. are a respectful bunch here, okay? No, I want to yell over each other. Brian, your main argument was that Game of Thrones would have been better if it was up to. They went all the way with to 20 episodes instead of 13. They didn't. You can't just hypothetically be like, well, if they had done this correctly, it would have been better. They, they, they didn't they do it correctly. It yeah, they just fucked it up. I mean, like, that's not an argument. They didn't have – I didn't think they had gaping plot holes like Endgame did. Yeah, they just didn't wrap up any of the things uh, well, so. All right. Well, let's the just go thing, through the plot hole. The no. only thing that was really not – that was really wrapped up well in Endgame was Tony Stark. The others – like, I mean, I guess Black Widow had a satisfying death somewhat, but like the Captain America thing was – not good in my opinion like he just went back in time and lived his life but like that didn't mess up the present at all that's the one thing he wanted to do they said at the actual beginning of the movie uh, not the beginning of the movie the beginning of when they started dealing with time travel they effectively laid out the theory that time is a straight line you cannot go back and fuck up anything time will just continue to move forward Whatever you do then becomes a part of the present or the future or whatever you have it. It is not going to change what the present is. So when Captain America goes back, that just becomes a part of what the single timeline is. There is no multiverse. There is a single timeline. As they also explained that as long as the Infinity Stones get returned to wherever they were supposed to be, there's going to be one timeline, one singular line that I'm pretty sure the fucking Sorcerer Supreme actually drew. Yeah, they, were literally, they literally visually showed it to everyone when the Sorcerer so Supreme was take, talking to the okay. Hulk. So if they take Gamora from 2014 before the Guardians of the Galaxy are formed, how does that work? Because that technically happens in the present. So then how did it happen in the past if they took her out of time and put her somewhere else? Isn't that a great question? It's a plot hole, John. It's not a plot hole, Brian. They lay out exactly what their theory is. They don't leave it be. It's not a fucking Nolan movie where they just sort of shrug it off. It's They literally just don't they don't go into detail. They just about it. they explicitly go into detail. They just are like they just are like you guys are accepting this. We're going to have a sweet action scene. No. No, not at all. And furthermore, the you're you're outright wrong on the final battle. You that it was predictable. Did you not predict everyone that was snapped being brought brought back I, and defeating Thanos? The fact Thanos that it's predictable doesn't mean that it's not satisfying. I, my point was that it was predictable. We knew it was happening. Your ever point since. is that the predictability makes it bad, and um, that's wrong. I thought the best thing about Infinity War was that it was an ending that had never been seen in the MCU, and then they just went straight back. Infinity to War their is a better movie. Formulaic movie 
Infinity and... War is a better movie. And furthermore, to your aunt, to the incorrect point that you provided before, the fact that uh, season eight of Game of Thrones subverted expectations so goddamn much does not make it good. It makes it nonsensical. When did I say that? No, it that's your that was your point that it that season eight was better than Endgame. Yeah, because the overall like like everything that happened would have made sense in theory. Maybe. I mean, I think it did make sense. Like, what 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 didn't make sense about season eight? Bran, the ending. <laughs> <laughs> Bran literally just stands or not stands up he can't stand up Bran just literally just sits there and is apparently just pulling the fucking strings the whole time Tyrion and Bran haven't had a conversation in a while before they have one to sort of like you know like make it be like oh we're setting this up now three episodes early garbage yeah Brian I mean you're Brian your main argument was that if they had given it 20 episodes it would have been better that doesn't that's not, that doesn't mean anything so, because okay, they didn't. So like, they, you literally, if you have seven more episodes, that's seven more hours to literally. I, Brian, I, under, Brian, I understand. Happen. No, I agree that season eight was not perfect. I think the the end game had the more glaring errors. No, Brian, than you're, you're made, ar- Brian, your main argument for season eight being better than um, end game was that if they had given it the full length, it would have been really, really good. But they did it. They, they left it short, and it was not good as a result. Had to get that Star Wars money. This is true. They're probably getting canceled now. Are they? Yeah. Good. No, I let the record show I'm very mad at the writers for cutting down Game of Thrones because that was just laziness on oh, their me part. too. Yeah. So uh, th- this is why I will – this is my biggest <laughs> Endgame argument is why I thought Endgame was better than season 8 of Game of Thrones. It was going to basically be impossible – for either the last season of Game of Thrones or the basically the culmination of the MCU to actually meet the level of hype and anticipation that they had been awarded leading up to that. So I, th- I, I thought Endgame Game of Thrones. I thought Endgame. End, I thought Endgame got much closer to being to to its possible point of excellence than Game of Thrones got. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. That Game of Thrones mailed it in, said, yeah, you know, fourth and one, we're going to fucking punt. Endgame went for it. And was it perfect? Yeah. No. No, I'm not going to argue that either was extremely good or extremely bad. I thought that Endgame got much closer to its peak or its potential than the last season of Game of Thrones did. Hmm. Well, my flag has been planted. Okay. These I, are three good flags, guys. Good job. Yeah. None of us actually agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, last week, you guys kind of just all ended up agreeing with each other. Well, Except for I Philly. Mean, well, Ben is like having a special needs kid on here. You, you, you can't really, you know. Can, can, you, can you really argue with him? I mean. He, he was in a, some states over the past week. <laughs> I don't, I don't. I don't know if Ben's doing well in medical school, or if this is all just another piece of the of the shit pile, and he's gonna end up like 
shooting up the ranch at some point. Should we like text Jane and just sort of be like, hey, can you keep an eye on Ben? Yeah. We're, We're not him. sure if Ben's depressed or doing very well or wants to kill us all or anything. Like, <laughs> like there's times where it's like, we're pretty sure this is a bit, but then other times it's like, oh, he might actually be sad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Th- thanks, Brian, for basically turtling on your entire flag. Yeah. Though. Okay. Well, that, let's just, yeah. Thank you, Brian, for both the interview and the plant your flag. This was a really good plant your flag. I think that we actually really sat down and yeah. like, I, I'm, I, I was legitimately heated about all of those. I that think, was good. I, I mean, I think we did our job in being significantly angry at each other at different <laughs> points. That's the whole point, isn't it? Okay. Well, Brian, thank you very much. Um, appreciate you coming on here. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we let you go? Um, no, not really. All right. Good. Cause we're at 32 minutes. So this is way over where I thought we were going to be. All right. Well, thanks, Brian. Uh, we are now going to take you guys on to our final segment right now. See you son. Okay. Thank you again, Brian, uh, for, you know, that great interview there. Uh, glad that we did that exactly in order, exactly as you guys uh, heard it just now. Yes, this is correct. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. So now uh, we have a really big treat for you guys here. Uh, our, our last segment today is going to be uh, a new segment that, that we're calling Manalytics. And as, you know... As our guest, we, we really we pulled out all the stops here. We got really, you know, a guy that I never thought was going to come back on this podcast. So without further ado, let me just welcome back the commish. Commish, how we doing? You know, John, it's uh, I don't know what to say. I think you've made some questionable calls this far at your tenure. The fact that it's only week four and you already need me to come out of retirement it's a little suspect, um, but nonetheless, I will call upon duty to hold up the fabric of the league, like the foundation that I am, and do whatever needs to be necessary. So, what do you need from this week, John? Uh, you know, you know, Kamish. Uh, you know, first of all, I just like to point out that you know you, you were kind of pushing for this. Uh, you know, maybe retirement didn't suit you. Uh, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing to be ashamed about. It's just, you know, I, I think we need to own, you know, who, who is getting a little antsy and who isn't. I don't back down, son. All right. Well, uh, anyway, commission, you know, while I have you here, uh, so, you know, we've been looking a lot at Ben's team here. Ben's team is struggling. So I wanted to ask you in your opinion, in your manalytic opinion, what has Ben doing wrong here? What would have been the results if Ben had just thrown up his hands and said, you know what, I'm going to auto-draft? So, I've looked into this extensively because I've never quite seen a historically bad performance. I don't think I've ever seen anybody be this bad at fantasy out of the gate than Ben is this year. Um, and that, I mean, when I've watched Brian play fantasy football for, for <laughs> several years, so that's really saying something. That's, that's true. But to quote a late great Alex Jones, I've pulled over the documents myself. I've, I've, I've crunched the numbers. And I remember Charlie saying uh, week one that Mike Ong, who very famously got a draft because he's a piece of shit asshole who doesn't care about the league, 
Um, doesn't give a shit. He he benefited greatly from his position in the auto draft. I figured Ben probably would have done the same. And it turns out, being despite being one pick behind Mike, Ben's team would stink regardless. And let me tell you why. So, uh, just to give everybody a little rerun of Ben's awful draft where he picked minimally good players. Um, I'll, I'll just go read in the order of his 14-round picks. Joe Mixon, Tyree Kill, Chris Carson, Stephon Diggs, O.J. Howard, Aaron Rodgers, David Montgomery, D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson, Deshaun Jackson, Adrian Peterson, Matt Breida, the Houston Texans defense, and last but not least, but probably actually least, Geronimo Allison. This is what Ben would have happened if he had auto-drafted, just done nothing um, besides name his keeper Stephon Diggs in the fourth round, which, I mean, maybe it would have changed, but Ben's draft was so bad last year that I think really the only keeper he had was Stephon Diggs in the fourth round. So, very funny, his first two picks would have been Joe Mixon and Tyree Kill again. So no change. No change there. In the third round, instead of drafting Chris Carson, he would have drafted Devontae Freeman. And then in the fourth round, he would have drafted um, Stephon Diggs again. That was his keeper, so that was going to stay the same. Right. Round five, Ben drafted O.J. Howard. He instead would have drafted Matt Ryan as his quarterback. That, would have, that was the quarterback pick. Mm-hmm. In round six, Ben drafted Aaron Rodgers. If he'd been auto-drafting, he would have drafted O.J. Howard, who he actually picked in the fifth round. A full, a full round before. A full round later. So that shows you how good Ben was at evaluating talent and draft stock. Round seven, Ben took David Montgomery. He would have taken Duke Johnson Jr. Round eight, Ben drafted D.J. Moore. He would have actually also drafted D.J. Moore via auto-draft, which is just outstanding. <laughs> So these next two picks are kind of interesting. So around nine, Ben took Robbie Anderson. If he was auto-drafting, he would have taken the Jaguars defense. That's that The defense is taken a little high in the auto-draft, but you are required. It basically fills out your starting lineup um, before it goes to the, the deep bench. Mm-hmm. Round 10, Ben uh, drafted Deshaun Jackson. He would have drafted his kicker, which would have been Justin Tucker in that round. Uh, in round 11, Ben drafted Adrian Peterson. He would have drafted Matt Breida. <laughs> okay. So I don't know what you want to say there. In round 12, Ben actually drafted Matt Breida. So that's a Auto- good steal. Yeah. Auto draft would have had him draft Robbie Anderson, who, if you remember, he drafted back in round nine. So this has just been outstanding thus far. Holy shit. In round 13, Ben drafted the Texans defense. He would have drafted Tom Brady. And in the last round, he took Geronimo Allison. He would have taken Jamison Crowder. So if those of you that were keeping track, he still would have drafted Joe Mixon, Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, O.J. Howard, D.J. Moore, Matt Breida, and Robbie Anderson. Half of his team, he still would have had. These are his big additions. There's the big changes. Instead of Chris Carson, he would have had Devontae Freeman. Thus far this year, Chris Carson has outscored Devontae Freeman 37.8 to 26. In, uh, instead of Aaron Rodgers, he would have had Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has outscored Aaron Rodgers, actually, 60.1 to 40.6. 
instead of David Montgomery, he'd have Duke Johnson. Montgomery actually has the advantage there. Uh, 30.4 to Duke Johnson, 20.5. He would have taken the – he took the Texans instead of the Jags D, who he would have gotten. The Jags, he's actually outscored the Texans D by two points, 15 to 13. And he uh, drafted Geronimo Allison. He would have gotten Jamison Crowder, who uh, has outscored Allison 36.8 to 11.4. For a total difference of 25.2 points or about 8.4 points per week. But the kicker being Ben wouldn't have Deshaun Jackson or Adrian Peterson. Deshaun Jackson might be Ben's best player at this point. If he was um, healthy. Yeah, he'd have Justin Tucker and Tom Brady. So, if Ben had auto-drafted in week one, he would have lost by only 72.8 instead of 81.5. He would have lost week two by only 57.1 instead of 65.5. And he would have lost week three by roughly 70.1 instead of 78.5. So, essentially, the auto-draft could not have saved Ben. He had to show up and perform and do it himself, and he clearly came up short. The most miraculous thing is that half of Ben's team would be the exact same. Well, I mean, that must just be a testament to Ben's draft strategy, which was clearly best player available, I guess, at that point, right? Yeah, basically, Ben had to be, like, you know, had to have some sort of creativity or strategy involved to actually have a good team from his draft position. And um, he he didn't do well. My favorite thing about this whole thing is that he would he drafted OJ Howard a round earlier than he would have gotten him, and he drafted Robbie Anderson three rounds earlier than he would have actually gotten him, which is just the best thing ever. I mean, I think the the biggest thing I take away from that is that apparently Mike's thing was more of a fluke than even I thought. Which I thought that Mike's thing, no, Mike's if you, good if team. If you remember, like I said. Or Charlie said, I don't know who I am supposed to be anymore. I kind of lost track. Mike draft, Mike's auto draft was successful largely because of the position Mike was drafting from. I said he was far enough up to the front where the running back he had to take in the first round was actually a starting like running back one, like top five pick. Ben, and by the time they got back, now, like I said, Ben, like Mike drafted Antonio Brown. That ended up not working out well. But, like, just how the guys fell, Mike just had, like, just a substantially better guy one spot before Ben would have gotten a guy. It's just really just incredible how different their seasons are going and how they were, and even how the different seasons would be going and the fact that they would have been one pick next to each other. I mean, that is, I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing I take away from this is that, you know, the, the auto draft is not the cheat code that we kind of thought it was immediately after the draft where we all felt, and who knows? Yeah. I, uh, Charlie may have been saying something different, but we all sort of felt like, oh shit, Mike did fine. Mike did better than he would have done if he had actually been there. That, there's only debating. The auto draft drafted better than Mike. Would, would have, have drafted. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the other draft would have drafted better than Ben um, had drafted, but narrowly, and Ben actually made it to pick Deshaun Jackson, who might actually be a half a decent player still. Yeah, assuming he comes back, Deshaun Jackson's a legit 
probably wide receiver two. Has a chance to be a wide receiver one, but it's still early to call that. But yeah, I mean, it says that Ben's gotten hosed with injuries, but big um, time. But his team stinks. Still, his team would still stink. It's yeah, Ben would still be the probably the lowest scoring team in the league. Which, by the way, I should mention, I was looking at it uh, this morning. Ben is currently uh, in dead last in the league in points for and in first place uh, by only two points. But still, he's in first place in points against. So Ben is currently just getting fucked on each side of the ball. Right that being said, Ben could be last in points against and he, <laughs> he would still win lose. Games. Yeah, he still went out of winning games. So. No, it's a fair point. It's just it's something to consider that even if Ben's team was like you said, what was it like, uh, twenty or eight points a week better, it wouldn't make a difference. Yes. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, Kamish, for uh, for for helping us out there. That was illuminating, and uh, you know, we hope we can maybe bring you back uh, for some you know some other segments. Uh, seeing as you're clearly just you know you have no idea what to do with yourself. When I was going through the draft and like marking off players and who Ben would have drafted, I was laughing when I realized that like <laughs> the players he was going to get were not different than I thought when I was doing this. Like it's going to be so funny. Like Ben, the auto draft will have like Ben would be in first place if he auto drafted. No, that is not, not what happened. It, I mean, just the fact that half his team would be the exact same is just hilarious. It's man. incredible it's and yeah just the fact that like he would be in last but just by marginally less points and the best part was that it didn't really throw off like who everybody else was taking because most of the guys were already on ben's team so that's a fair point okay uh well thank you chuck or commish whoever you are at the moment yeah i I forgot i don't know Whatever. Okay, well, now uh, with our segments done, we are going to dive straight into our predictions for this week. So, Chuck, uh, you had a good week last week. I had a very good week last week. You went, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, four and one. Uh, I had that as well. Your lone mistake being Ben over Mike, which was, at this point, the hottest take that you possibly could have brought out. I'm, I'm riding Ben all the way to his first victory. I'm picking Ben every week that I can. And you're going to make up that point. I guess you didn't really need it because I went three and two. Yep. Uh, So overall, that is going to bring us to you are 10 and five. I am eight and seven. I've dropped back to two games behind you. I'm keeping pace, which I feel good about. But yeah, unfortunately, my strategy of picking myself most weeks has really killed my abilities to make up any points. Yeah. So, Chuck, I believe this week – I don't believe I set this shit. Uh, this week you get to pick the marquee matchup and pick the order. So uh, why don't you lead us through uh, you know, our, our predictions here? Yep. Uh, first thing we're going to do is we'll go right to through the – kind of the poop game. Uh, ben is playing me. Um, so Saquon Barkley did get hurt. He's out four to eight weeks. Um, I'm sure the Giants will fuck this up somehow and he'll be out even longer. Probably. Um but yeah, uh, I'm just, I, I'm very confident that I'll be able to weather the storm with receivers and running backs and various things and be able to basically stream a guy or figure it out along the way to stay afloat. My next five games are 
Ben this week. Then it's Paul, who's a tough game. Then it's like Colin, Garrison, and you, John. It's not exactly the, mur- it's not exactly the murderer's row of opponents I have to play. So I'm not very worried about um, who I have to match up against um, going forward. Um, but because Saquon is out, but my projectors are not going to be really very high. But I have to just assume that the Atlanta Falcons will um, will carry me to victory. Um, I like my matchups this week. Um, particularly the Falcons are playing the Titans, who I don't think are good. Um, and the Cowboys are playing the Saints, who don't have a quarterback anymore. So that should be well. The Falcons, the Cowboys should have the ball a lot. Um, I will say, though, I don't know what week the Falcons have a bye, but I don't think I'll be able to field a full roster that week. So we, so we shall see. You um, may be applying for a Zettler rule exception that week. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm only project, projected to beat Ben by like half a point. But he has not shown that he's capable of losing by less than um, 65 points. Um, so I'm very confident that he will uh, throw, up another, uh, throw up another clunker and I will win. So I'm taking myself. Uh, so I agree with you. I'm, I'm taking you. Uh, now, Chuck, you are projected as of right now to win without a kicker. But Ben also doesn't have his defense in. Uh, so... Yeah, you'll probably assume that yeah, the projection is going to wind up being pretty close to at least very, the split that similar. it is now. Yeah, it, it'll it'll go up, but the you know the difference, the you know the uh, offset between the two will be about the same. Chuck, I don't think your matchups are a cakewalk. Uh, I think that the Tennessee defense is pretty good. I don't think that you know their offense is worth anything, but I think that their defense is good enough to give Atlanta some problems. Uh, however you're going to score more than a hundred. So I think that you're going to win this one. Uh, Should should, should walk away with this one easy. Exactly. If you put up one Oh one, I think you're going to win this one by 20 or just like 90, like 90 points. points, That's a good point. 90 points would technically win it. Uh, Probably now, Ben, I'm just going to get speculative at this point. Ben really needs a big game from Nelson Aguilar and from Joe Mixon, who is now uh, officially back in his starting lineup. Uh, just to show that maybe he has some life left in him. I think that, you know, two big games from those guys could potentially uh, show that, you know, he has a chance at winning some games down the stretch. It may be not winding up as just the de facto, uh, you know, toilet bowl loser. Uh, I do. I have Chuck in a blowout, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that Ben can maybe see some, some good performances this week. Ben also has awful defensive matchups. This week. Yeah. Arizona. Uh, Arizona the only questionable one. Like Carolina, Pitt, Arizona, uh, Houston, Green Bay, Cleveland, Cleveland yeah. and, and Chicago. Like Chicago just that that's just bad. Like Stefan Diggs might not get a catch. That's just unfortunate. Also, um, Chicago's a good team, and so Kirk Cousins will not play well. <laughs> As per the usual, sure. He will, he will beat the hell out of bad teams, but God forbid a team near 500 shows up because Kirk Cousins will stink. As he always does. Okay, but so we both have you here, Chuck. Uh, what's our next one? Next, we are heading over to a little rumble on the ranch as Brian is taking on Garrison. You, you want to talk Can about that one? Okay, up? all right. Yeah, I, 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 have to, I have to pull it up myself. All right. Um, I love Gary in this one. Um, for a couple reasons. 
Uh, I don't know about the Josh Allen as a quarterback, but I assume he might make a change there. But uh, James Conner versus Cincy, bad. Derrick Henry versus Atlanta. Atlanta's defense is very bad. Um, Juju Smith-Huster's playing Cincy. Zach Ertz is playing. There's really only tough matchups are Zach Ertz is playing Green Bay, who's a very good defense now. And um, OBJ is playing Baltimore, and so would be Baker. But I think we, we're in for a Browns revenge game at some point. The Browns had to make a statement win at some point. I think this could be the week. This is a huge game for them. Um, I like Gary, and you got Terry McLaurin playing the Giants. So Yeah, they don't have it. And the Bryce, yeah. Brian's team stinks either way. Dalvin Cook's playing Chicago. Adam Thielen's playing Chicago. Uh, Hawkinson stinks. So, uh, by the way, greatest trade of all time, that Hawkinson trade that I made with Brian. You fleeced him. You did. Yeah, I mean. You got to see the results early. Uh, on one drive, Darren Waller <laughs> has outscored all the points Hawkinson's had since the trade. So, well, I mean, you mean he had one catch? <laughs> Uh, no, he had two, and that oh. was more than enough. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, I've got, I've got Garrison. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I think his matchups are just way better than Brian's. So I agree with you. I got Gary here. Uh, I, I'm actually very interested in the fact that uh, this is like a crazy close projected matchup. Uh, at the time that I checked it, it was point three. It's now expanded to uh, the spread is point eight. Yes. Uh, which is still less than a point uh, that Garrison is uh, favored by. Uh, the thing that I like about Garrison's team, all of his players, I believe, besides Odell, are going to be in close games. And even Odell, that's going to be a close enough game. They're probably going to be trailing in that one. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. That's going to facilitate some points for him. Uh, I mean, you would look at Juju, Pittsburgh, uh, and, and James Conner for that matter, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. That was a blowout three weeks ago, but now with uh, you know the questionable quarterback situation there, I think that that's going to be a little bit of a close game. I think they're going to be throwing the ball late. Can they turn that into points for Garrison's players? That remains to be seen. Uh, they kind of looked mediocre last week. Uh, the two, the pair of James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster combined for 25 points only, which he's going to need more than that if he wants to win games down the stretch. But, uh, you know, those questions are offset by Brian. I mean, his two best players are Zeke and Dalvin Cook. They probably have their toughest matchups in the season with Zeke going up against New Orleans, Cook going up against Chicago. I think that there's a chance that both of them fail to crack 10 points. Hawkinson and Galladay are probably going to bounce back from two tough weeks. Well, one tough week uh, with the uh, the Lions. They're playing Kansas City. I think that they're going to score some points, but it's just not going to be enough to offset that. I think that Garrison wins this. I think it's going to be a low scoring, but Gary pulls it out. Yep. All right. So we both got Garrison. Next, we are rolling to the Mike versus Alex. Okay. Um, matchup. Um, I hate Alex and his team. His team is not that good, yet he's 3 0. And he'll probably beat Mike this week, if we're being honest. I mean, yeah. Dak Prescott going up against a very tough New Orleans secondary. Mm-hmm. David Johnson has Seattle. His only decent matchup is like Carrion Johnson playing Kansas City. I guess Sammy Watkins playing Detroit. Um, but yeah, like like and Alex has pretty good matchups. He's got Tampa Bay. He's got Dallas on there. He's got uh, Cleveland against a running back. Cleveland is not regular against running backs. You got yeah, you got so many Rams that are playing Tampa Bay, whose defense is so bad. 
Alex is going to be 4 0, and I'm not going to like it. Um, so I disagree with you here. So I think that uh, Gurley and Ingram are facing a little bit stiff tests. I agree that Ingram is probably going to punch through Cleveland's defense uh, just due to injury. I think that usually they'd be able to shut him down, but it's, he's going to yeah, maybe if the Browns, maybe if the Browns defense could have a starting member of the secondary available, it might be a different story, but as of right now, they're all still injured. So yeah, it, uh, that's going to be tough. However, I disagree with you on the Tampa Bay take Tampa Bay in consecutive weeks has now shut down uh, McCaffrey and Saquon did get hurt, but you know, he no, also wasn't can- like exploding before he went out. Because it was Cam Newton, and they would have beaten Daniel Jones if they had missed the, if they had made a kick. I mean, they did not exactly play the toughest of the tough quarterback competition or, or functioning offenses. Okay, that's it. That's not my point, though. He, it. I'm talking purely from a running back standpoint. I think they're going to shut down Gurley. I think that they are more than capable of shutting down Todd Gurley. Uh, with their their run defense is pretty solid. I think that where you're going to see some points start to come out is their secondary. It's good, but it is young. Uh, and what's going to come down, what is going to decide this matchup is who, you know, sees more targets from Jared Goff. It's going to be Brandon Cooks. It's going to be Bob Woods because I think that there's going to be some opportunity for points there. Um, I think that uh, Shepard and David Johnson are going to play well. I think that Seattle's defense has not looked as shut down as it has in the past couple of years. I think that they're going to be able to, you know, or David Johnson is going to be able to break through there. I think that Sterling Shepard is going up against like a pretty bad Redskins secondary. So assuming that Daniel Jones, this wasn't a fluke, or at least that it wasn't a complete fluke, assuming he can just get the ball out into, you know, outside the numbers, Sterling Shepard is going to get some points. So I'm going to take Mike in a close one here. All righty. Interesting. I noticed since Alex made that meme, John's been putting a lot more uh, analysis into his picks. Oh, I absolutely have. I need to prove myself now. Like I, I stopped listening like two minutes ago, and John was still talking when I came back. So that was great. You know, next week, just because you said that, I'm just going to say good team, bad, bad team, good, and then just, just shout yeah, my pick into the ether. All right. Uh, next, we got Common heading over to Paul to take him on. Um, I don't know if Collins' team is good. Like on paper, I think Collins' team should be really good. Yet yeah, he's one and two, and only one because he played your stunk, your your stinky team. Um, that being said, uh, it's a regular season, and so I'm taking Paul. I don't really care the matchups are, but Paul has fairly good ones. Um, Jamar Jackson. The, the, I don't know if the Browns' defense is real or not. They played very, very well against the Rams, despite having so many injuries. I don't know if Baltimore's offense is that good. They've played bad defenses thus far, very bad defenses thus far. Yeah. Um, but I think I just, I just like Paul in these matchups. Colin has some tougher ones. Um, you got to play Baltimore. Got to play Philly. Um. And his teams has not played that well thus far. So I'm going to go with Paul on this one. I agree with you uh, 100%. Uh, I think that, you know, Colin is going to miss Kittle. Uh, as we all are aware, the tight end position that, is... That being said, Kittle has stunk this year. Kittle has stunk, but, like, the tight end position is so hard to replace via waivers because there are just so few tight ends that are capable of scoring any points, let alone, like, double digits, you know? 
That's true, but Paul's not exactly trotting out the greatest tight end of all time. So I, I mean, no, he's not. But Delaney Walker still put up like twenty something in a couple games at this point. It's a little it, ridiculous against, against the against the Browns. That doesn't that doesn't count. Yeah, and that's bad. But he's still done it. Where I, I regardless, I don't think that Paul needs it. Uh, I think that Lockett's going to struggle. He's going to be seeing a lot of Patrick Peterson in that matchup. Chubb, I think, is going to see some checkdown passes against Baltimore because their pass rush is good as shit, and Baker's going to be like fidgeting in his goddamn shoes and just going to chick down the ball as much as he can. God, the Browns' offensive line is so bad. It's They're going to get fucking eaten alive. It makes, it makes me so sad to think about how bad the offensive line is. Um, Eckler and Hilton are set up, I think, pretty well. Miami, Oakland, bad teams. Uh, I think they're both going to have good games. Lamar Jackson is going to fucking torch the Browns linebackers uh, already, you guys, I believe, are missing Kirksey. Uh, so that's just going to be a little bit harder to contain him. Yes, but, I mean, it, the key is going to be the secondary. If our safeties and our DBs are healthy, the, we can cover up the linebackers. Because actually, Mac Wilson, who is starting in the place of Christian Kirksey, is in theory better at containing and run-stopping than – Kirksey is so there could be like a, a hidden advantage there. The, the thing that will actually be the kicker here is Paul every week has gotten, with the exception of week two, gets like the thirty point game from his flex, or like Mike two Evans, thirty point games, or, or Mike or Mike Evans has forty five points. Like if he doesn't get that, then the I think Colin will be right there. But like I said, he's got the matchups where I think that he's going to pull one of those out. Um, so that's why I'm going with Paul, but you also have Paul, so I don't really think yeah, we're I think Paul, but it's just he doesn't score one 185 points this week. I think he just wins. Like, yeah, I think he scores like, one, like, like 120, and Colin scores maybe 115. Exactly. Uh, okay. And last but not least, we had to your great matchup, John. You were playing Zach. And I'd like to just do this out. Part of this, why that is for the marquee matchup, it's this week's marquee matchup. Uh-huh. The part of the reason why it's the marquee match is because we've picked the other person's game every week for the marquee matchup. <laughs> Have we really? Uh, yeah, I, I noticed that. I was like, oh, I'm doing this again. <laughs> uh, but also, John, um, you need a win here. This is a very important – this is a winnable game for you. Um, Zach's team has been playing very, very good, for very, very well. But I think you have favorable matchups to maybe take him down. Um, your productions are killing his. You're way out there. Um, and, John, to be 0-4 as the commish um, is not a very good look. It is not. Um, what I like about you, you've got Kansas City's defense, who, again, it will be a shootout, and so they're going to have to throw. Um, you got a couple tough matchups. I don't know if Buffalo's defense is actually that good or what Denver's defense is going to do with G Manchu out there. Um however though I do like Zach's matchups. He's got Tampa Bay with Cooper Cup. He's got Indianapolis. He's got Miami. I mean Miami. You know who knows what they're gonna do. Um so despite the fact that this is a statement game for you, John, I'm going with Zach. Uh okay, not shockingly, I disagree. Uh as you can already see, Zach, Le'Veon, on by. 
Uh, Zach does not have a particularly deep team, especially at running back. Duke Johnson, though we all thought he was going to be this huge, you know, game-changing player, has not done very well. Yeah, him being an RB2 for Zach is not a great look. It's going to be very tough for him to score any points, especially against Carolina's defense. Uh, I think Keenan Allen's going to play well. I think he's going to get a decent amount of points, but he's not going to get up to that, like, you know, high 20s, even to the 40s like he was uh, last week level. Zach, they're playing the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, that's my point, though. The reason why Keenan Allen got that high last game is because that game was close. That doesn't happen if the the fucking if the Chargers are up by forty in the second quarter. But Keenan here's the Allen's thing, Zach, not in that game. The Chargers have to go east, and they never play well when they go east. So this could be a real stinker of a game in which Keenan Allen catches a million like three yard passes. I, I don't think so. I think that they go up pretty solidly early, and I think that Keon Allen, he's in the game, but he's not, you know, he's not going to keep pushing the ball down the field. It's, I think he's not going to get up to that point where Zach needs him to to make up for his deficiencies at running back with Josh Jacobs and Duke Johnson. Uh, I think that uh, Cooper Cup and Larry Fitzgerald are going to have really good days, but Jacobs and Johnson, like I said, not going to do well. For me, I think that Evan Ingram's going to have a big day against uh, a Washington defense that's really bad. I think that Devontae Adams is finally going to be able to break out now that he's not playing a top defense like he has in the first three weeks. Uh, I think the Broncos have a great pass defense, but they have a bad run defense. So I think that Fournette is going to be leaned on more heavily than he's been in the past couple games. So I think that I pull out my first win here. To me, I mean, the... The key thing to watch is going to be this Thursday night matchup. Carson Wentz is playing green. They're playing. The Packers are playing the Eagles on yeah. Thursday night. Short week. Aaron Rodgers said today, you know, the Packers defense has been playing very, very well through the first three weeks. So the Man. point, though, where, where Eric, Aaron Rodgers said today, um, it's not fair. We shouldn't have to rely on our defense to win these games. I mean, the Packers offense has not been, They've been ecstatic. I, I mean, Devontae Adams has not been putting up certainly potential wide receiver number one overall like numbers. Um so that, that's gonna be a key a key matchup here. Are the Eagles healthy? How good is the Packers defense actually? And then can um the Packers offense get going? So that's gonna be a big matchup. I think that Thursday night game could lend a lot of keys as to where this matchup is going. That being said, um Zach's running backs are bad. Shout out to Zach for having two New York Jets running backs on his team. <laughs> that was who incredible. Have, who would have thought of the people to handcuff <laughs> the, the New York Jets? And now they're on bye, so he can't even start. Like, yeah. Uh, so, Ty Montgomery would have been a bad start anyway, but now he can't even do that. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see if – the thing is, is Zach's receivers – Zach has four very good receivers with Allen Cup. Fitzgerald and Tyrell Williams, but you can only start three receivers. And so, unfortunately, he has a lot of depth there, but not a running back to really help him out. He's going to need a big game from Josh Jacobs to win this. Um, that being said, you're going to need Christian McCaffrey to perform well. They have tape. People have tape on uh, what's Kyle his face Allen. now from the Kyle Allen from the Panthers, and they're playing in Houston. Um, who is – I don't know if they're – I don't even know if they're good or not yet. Like, they're kind good of a team. Like, Jury's out on their defense. 
Yeah. So, so there's a lot of like big question mark games with this. I'm interested to see where it goes, but I do think ultimately Zach has a couple just big uh, mismatch matchups. That's why I think he he's pulling it out. All right. Well, agree to disagree, Chuck. We will revisit this next week and we can review how you were wrong. Uh, I think that's going to do, uh, do it for us here. Chuck, is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? Um, no, I think we're good. Uh, like I said, I am fielding trades for running back. If you people, if you want Julio Jones, you're going to have to give me a really good player back. Meaning like a starting running back back. Um, not two running backs off your bench or a flex player. Or as Kyle would put offer, James White and Christian Kirk. I don't want either of them. Um, so yeah. So if you want Julio Jones, make me an actual offer. But that being said, um, good luck to all. Okay. Uh, wonderful, Charlie. Well, uh, be sure to set your lineups for this week. We are going to see you guys back here next week. But until then, peace.